blessing. Isn't that a blessing? Aren't you glad he'll hold you fast? Amen. Uh, dear church family, thank you for all the love and the support given to our family during this unexpected loss of my father, my dad. We have felt the love of our church family through every card, call, and text sent our way. We could not have faced these difficult days without the prayers of God's people. We continue to cover your prayers in the coming days and weeks. Love, Daniel, Melissa, Mariah, Reagan, and Audrey, and we appreciate love them. We're praying for y'all. And Daniel came in and spoke to me earlier today, and they've just got a lot of things, decisions to make, and I just ask that you pray for them. God, give them wisdom. Work all of it out. And uh, Brother Daniel's going to be transferring just for a short period of time, hopefully in that area, and to help his mom. And I want to say I appreciate that. I appreciate you and your brother stepping up and uh, being a help to your mom during this day. It's a great blessing. And it's a great lesson, no doubt. Would you open your uh, precious Bible this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 27? We're just making our way right along the book. I also want you to know, be praying for Miss Shannon Addison's family. Her Aunt Joyce is deathly ill and not been given a lot of time. And so I want you to pray for her and her family, her Aunt Joyce. And uh, I know they had a time yesterday with family gathered around. And so I want you to pray for this dear precious family in a special way. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm glad I have a loving God. How about you? And uh, I'm glad we have a God that holds us fast. And if you're visiting with us today, we're thankful you're here, and we hope the service will be a great blessing to you. Uh, We believe in the Bible. Amen? Uh, I believe the best part about church is the preaching of God's Word. And I appreciate the music. That was beautiful. I'm thankful we have a pianist, and we have an organist. We have special music, but... I want to tell you something right now. I think what we build our lives on is on the preaching of God's word. The Bible says that he has chosen to save by the foolishness of preaching. And I'm glad that I belong to a church that loves the Bible. I'm glad that I don't have to get up here this morning and give you what I think. I'm glad I'm not up here this morning giving you my opinions. You don't need that. I'm glad that I'm not getting up here and... And reading out of the uh, Reader's Digest. I don't even know if they make that anymore. They still publish the Reader's Digest. I'm glad that I'm not uh, reading out of, and some of those are rhetorical questions. I don't know if they really need to be answered by, but nonetheless, uh, all of us know the answer. Hey, uh, I believe that we, uh, I'm glad that we're not reading out of the newspaper this morning. Aren't y'all glad? I'm glad we have the eternal words of God. That has been preserved for us. And in those darkest of nights and in those darkest of days, he's the one that helps us. Now, we have just been going right along in the book of 1 Samuel. I have skipped nothing. I've just been going chapter to chapter and I've been preaching as it comes. And uh, I've been helping. I've been helping myself. The word's been helping me. And I don't have any bones to pick. I, I'm not trying to grind any axes. I'm just preaching what God's word says. And uh, I'm taking it for what it is. And we're going to look at this whole chapter. And I'm, I'm going to tell you before I start, my mouth's gaped open as I'm reading it. I'm shocked. I can't believe that this is the same man that we're getting ready to read in chapter 27 that we just left off in chapter 26. I can't believe that this is the man that God says he's a man after his own heart. I can't believe it because he certainly doesn't look like it in what we're getting ready to read. I can't believe it. I'm shocked. But I know it's true. Now as I read this, you might be as shocked as I am, but I want you to know there's a great lesson here. Now, I want to remind you, chapter 26, we preached on it Sunday before last, and it was just simply, David spared Saul's life again. He hazarded his life and another man's life to go down into the trench, and he took Saul's, uh, some, the spear of Saul and, and the canteen of Saul. He risked his life, and we know that he wasn't going to kill him, so why did he do it? And I think we ended that up by a most heartfelt conversation that he had with Saul. He basically said this, look, you trying to kill me, but I love you. (laughs) 
I mean you no harm. I don't know what I've done. But here's how wise David was. He said, if God is using you in my life for me to learn a lesson, he said, I want to learn it. That's spiritual. And Saul told him at the end of chapter 26, he called him son. He said, David, I will chase after you no more. Pretty spiritual man, Saul. A, spiritual, a pretty spiritual man, David, in chapter 26. Now I want y'all to notice, let's look at verse 27, and let's begin our mouths to gape open wide and go, <gasps> And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul, there is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. What? What? There's nothing else for you to do, David, but to go live with the enemy. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel till shall I escape out of his hand. And David arose and he passed over with his 600 men that were with him unto Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. Now hold on just a minute. Gath, where do we remember Gath? Gath, who came from Gath? Goliath. The one that David killed that was defying the God of Israel and he stood there with five stones and a sling and said, is there not a cause? He's going back to there. Verse 3, And David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, every man with his household, even David with two wives, Ahinoam and the Jezreelitess and Abigail, the Carmelitess, Nabal's wife. And it was told that Saul that David was fled to Gath and he sought no more again for him. So there's your answer. He wasn't going to seek for him anymore. By the way, Saul's getting ready to die. And David said unto Achish, here's where my mouth gapes open even more. David. <laughs> The man after God's own heart, the one that had been anointed king. I mean, the one that showed so much promise. And David said unto Achish, the enemy, by the way, if I have now found grace in thine eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with thee? Then Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Wherefore Ziklag pertaineth unto the kings of Judah unto this day. And the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was a full year and four months. And David and his men went up and invaded the Gersherites and the Jezrites and the Amalekites. For those nations were of old inhabitants of the land as thou goest to Shur even to the land of Egypt. And David smote the land and left neither man nor woman alive. David! took away the sheep and the oxen and the ass and the camels and the apparel and returned and came to Achish. And Achish said, Whither have you made a road today? And David said, Against the south of Judah. He just lied. David! You know what he just told King Achish? I just went and invaded my own country and killed my own people. David. Why did he do this? Why did he lie? Because he wanted him to trust him. But he lied. He didn't go and kill his own people. He went and destroyed the Amalekites. He went to the Gershites. He didn't go back to the southern tip of, of Israel and kill his own people. You know why he's doing that? Because he wants Achish to trust him that now he's defected from Israel. David. The, the boy that passed by where Samuel passed on all the other boys and said, do you have another? He said, yeah, I have a youngest one out there watching the sheep. Go fetch him. Oh, he's it. He's the one after, man, after God's own heart. He's now lying. Now he's killing innocent people. 
Look at verse 11. And David saved neither man nor woman alive to bring things to Gath, saying that lest they should tell on us, saying so did David, and so will be his manner all the while he dwelleth in the country of the Philistines. Now here's the reason why he killed all those people. Dead people can't talk. You know why he killed all them people? He's scared to death. They're going to go back to Gath and tell the king, say, no, he didn't go down there and kill none of his people. He killed us. He killed everybody. Why? Dead people can't talk. David. Chapter 28 gets worse. They're going to go to war in Israel. And all of a sudden, David says, I want to go with you. He's going to go kill his own people. And the king was fine with it. David's getting ready to go. And finally, some of the princes of the army of the Philistines said, look, we ain't going to war with him. If we go out there and he turns on us, he'll kill all of us. They didn't trust him. And listen to me. God providentially kept David from going and killing his own people because David would have went. David. The giant killer, the the one that played the sweet psalmist, the one that had went in chapter 23 and before he made any move, he was praying and asked to the Lord. But I want you to notice this all started in verse 1. I want you to look at verse 1 with me because it's hinge. Everything hinges on this one phrase. Look at verse 27. And David said in his heart, there's the problem. I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape unto the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me anymore in any coast of Israel. Here's what's amazing. I read a story once in Satan once held a sale and he offered all the tools of the trade to anyone that would buy them, pay the price. They were spread out on the table and each one was labeled. There was hatred, there was malice, there was envy, there was gossip, there was lust. All the weapons that he had used and everyone knew well. However, off to the side by a harmless looking instrument labeled discouragement. It was old and worn looking, and, but it was priced far above the rest. And when Satan was asked why this was so, he replied, this is the most effective and I use it most of the time and it normally works. We all know what it means to be discouraged. We all know what it means to be in verse 1 of chapter 27. Here's what, here's what he said. Now, y'all ready? Here's what David said. David said, I said in my heart. In other words, he became God. He became king. He became the judge. He became the jury. He became the gavel. And isn't that just like us? We sit around and we do our thinking. When we sit around and we take, we say what's going to happen. And we sit around and we look at the situation. We say, oh, there's no other chance. There's no other choice. This is what's going to be. But here's what's amazing. He forgot one little thing. What about God? This is the same man that failed. Notice, I wonder where this man is that was in verse 23, chapter 23. Remember in chapter 23, before he made a move, he prayed and asked the Lord three different times what he should do. All of a sudden, he becomes God and he says, Oh, I've been thinking about it and here's what I'm going to do. Boy, we do that a lot. Can I get a witness? We look around and say, Oh, I'll tell you what, I know what God says, but... I tell you right now, it just ain't working out the way I want it. So I'm just tell you right now, we don't have any hope, Brother Mark. Well, then you be a David. Go ahead and sit there and say in your heart, go in there and go ahead and just sit there and go ahead and tell me what's going to happen when we leave God out of it. You know what happens when we start letting, we say in our heart, we start looking at everything bad and we start saying, oh, there's no hope. I'll tell you right now, I've done tried and it ain't going to work. David said, man, I've done everything. There's nothing else but to do but for me to leave and go and make these bad decisions because he started to let his discouragement, his feelings, his fears, his own thoughts guide his life again. 
We all know what it means to be discouraged. We all know what it means. We can all speak from experience, from being discouraged. We all know firsthand what it can do to us. We all know firsthand what we do when we start trying to guide our own lives. We all know what we do when we start limiting God and start putting all of our thoughts and what we think to the forefront. What about God? We see... A discouraged David right here in verse 27. And by the way, he has lost all hope. Here's what he said. There's no use. There's nothing else for me to do. Here's, I'm going to paraphrase the verse. He said, look, I've done tried. Saul's going to kill me. There's nothing else I can do. I'm just going to, and here's what he said. He started getting hopeless. And by the way, when you start getting hopeless, you start getting dangerous. By the way, you ain't got the right to become hopeless because God's done give you all the reasons to be hopeful. But see, here's what we do. What we do is, here's, we, here's what we do. Here's what we do. We sit down somewhere and we get quiet and we sit down and we start thinking. We start adding all the stuff up in our minds and say, well, Lord, this don't make sense and this don't make sense. And I'll tell you right now, this ain't fair. And we start dwelling. We go to these dark places in our mind and we just sit there and dwell on it. And I'll tell you right now, this ain't fair. And the next thing you know, we get discouraged. And here's what we start doing. We start saying in our heart. And then you know what we do? We start making foolish decisions. And then instead of doing what Proverbs chapter 3 says, to lean on to thine own uh, understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, we start acknowledging what we say. It's more important than what God says. You know why? Because we know better than God. Our feelings, pastor, is more important than what God says. This is the same man that in chapter 23, before he made one move, he, he prayed 40 times before he made one move. And now he says in verse 1, I said in my heart, here's what I'm going to do. There's no hope. i got to get up out of here. And he starts making some bad decisions. He said in his heart, he got to thinking. He started considering only his thoughts. And those thoughts led to discouragement. And Finally, that discouragement leads to devastation. This gives us the clearest clue where his discouragement came from. This is the source from all of our discouragement too. Y'all ready? Our own thoughts. You know, when someone's discouraged, they're not putting God's words in there. Somebody say amen. They're not quoting Philippians 4.19. They're quoting themselves. Go, well, I'll tell you right now, I can't do it. No, that's you talking. That's your thoughts. That's not God's thoughts. Well, pastor, there ain't no hope. I done tried. Well, that ain't your, that's not God's thoughts. That's your thoughts. And that leads to discouragement. David did it. We do it. And I just want to tell you this morning, there's danger in discouragement. That's the message. I could call it dangers of discouragement, the devastation of discouragement. Nonetheless, it leads to a bad place. And so if you're here this morning discouraged, I want to encourage you. Remember in chapter 23, I've referenced it several times already. Before he did anything, before he made a move, he prayed over and over and over and said, Lord, 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 what would you have me do? Wait a minute, where's that man? Where did he go? Now up in between chapter 26 and 27, all of a sudden he's just going to sit there and say, well, I'm going to tell you right now, here's what we ought to do. Here's what I got to do. So he started to think, here's what it is. Y'all ready? David convinced himself. Boy, we're good at that, aren't we? Boy, we're so good at convincing ourselves that there's no hope and, hey, there's no uh, finding a safe haven. And, and he felt certain that he would die in Saul's hand. And so you know what? He just made decisions based on what he thought. What happened? He just had a heart felt, emotional, real conversation with Saul and told him, listen, I could have taken your life again. And Saul spoke to him like he had never spoken to him before. He told him that he called him his son and told him he was not going to come after him anymore. And there was something different about chapter 26. But David got so discouraged, he said, look, he's just doing that to kill me. And so he started to make decisions without God. And by the way, I don't know what happened and I don't know how much time was between chapter 26 and chapter 27, but we obviously see a David that was discouraged. One thing's clear, David was discouraged, he was not hopeful, and these words came from a man who was tired of running. Let me make application. By the way, when we're not listening to God, we're not 
looking for God's word, when we forget his promises, when we forget his word, when we're only left to our thoughts, our ideas, our fears, when we do not consider Jesus Christ, as I preached last weekend, when we do not consider Jesus and we consider everything else, y'all listen to me and I want you to know something, you're still listening to somebody. You might not be listening to the Lord. You might not be listening to His Word. You might not be holding on to His Word. But I'm going to tell you who you are listening to. You're listening to yourself. Or you're listening to the world. Or you're listening to the devil. Because I'm going to tell you right now. When we don't listen to God, we're still listening to somebody. David convinced himself of what he thinks Boy, that's just like us. Well, that's just the way it is, Pastor. Well, you don't know that. I don't know that. David didn't know that. David knew better. He knew that Saul wasn't going to kill him. By the way, God had done told him he wasn't going to kill him. So let me give you a few things about discouragement. Number one, discouragement distorts our perspective. You know, I can't understand some people. And by the way, you might not be able to understand me. And I'm going to tell you when I'm the worst and I'm not able to be understood the most is when I'm discouraged. You know why? Because if I stay discouraged, I can't pastor this church. Can't do it. Won't do it. I won't be a help to you. By the way, let me help you all with something. I'm preaching this morning with a broken heart. Broke. I don't understand some people. And I know sometimes they don't understand me. And I figured it out. See, when I'm discouraged and I have no hope, my whole perspective's different. But when I'm talking to somebody or I'm around somebody that does have hope, if I'm the one that's discouraged, I can't understand them. See, discouragement distorts our perspective. We lose sight of God's promises. We lose sight of what God has told us. David says the best thing for him to do is to leave. Leave Israel. There's nothing better for him to do and to go and escape and go live with the enemy. Listen to me. It was the worst thing he could do. But boy, he was so right about it. And his perspective was so clear that the Bible said he arose and he went. I can certainly relate with David because I have been there. I've been there. I've seen countless others. I've been there and I've seen countless others so discouraged that they disregard everything that I would think they would know. See, when we let our thoughts run rapid, when we have no hope, we we say everything's not fair. When things get difficult in our mind, whatever those feelings are, listen to me. we, we, We say it's going to happen. There's nothing we can do to change it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We don't know that. We get so defeated. We get so hopeless. And so we start directing our own lives. We start making the best decisions for us and we don't consider the Lord. By the way, that's a, very, that's a very important thing that every worker in this church, before you start making decisions, you ought to be considering the Lord. It's not about whether your students like it or what they like the best. You ought to consider is it what the Lord wants? Is it, is it what God wants? Would it be pleasing to God? What's God want? What does God want me to do? What's God want my child to do? That makes a difference when we start considering the Lord. Because see, when we only think about our thoughts, it leads to discouragement. Because what we become, we become the judge, we become the jury, and we become the gavel. But here's the problem. Here's the problem with that. Where's God? David, where's the Lord at? You the same man in chapter 23 that prayed... 40 times before you made one move. No, now you've just said in your heart, this is what you're going to do and you're getting ready to affect 600 people's lives. Because he didn't just go to the enemy's land alone. Y'all hear me? He took 600 with him now. By the way, let me help all of you. If you're a daddy and you just start working on your own thoughts, start making decisions without God, you're going to affect your whole family.
There's at least two key truths here that David has ignored, too. Y'all ready? This is huge. There's two key truths that David has ignored. By the way, that's what discouragement does. It ignores the facts. It's only what we think or see becomes the goal. That's what's going to happen. No one can, can, no one can tell you otherwise. When David got, it wouldn't have mattered if these men come to him and said, hey, David, hold up a minute. You're making a wild. Nope, this is the way I feel. This is the way it is. There's no hope. I've got to get up out of here. But there was two things that he ignored. By the way, discouragement and thinking in our own heart always ignores what God says. Y'all ready? Number one, this is simple. God had already prepared him and promised him he was going to be the king of Israel. He was the same man. You know what he forgot? He forgot the feeling of that warm oil running down his head. It was Samuel that came to Jesse's house and said, this is the one I want you anointing. I'm amazed that so quickly how David got so discouraged that I'm going to die at the hand of Saul and he just should have remembered the oil running. It wasn't anybody else. It was him that the oil ran down his head. Samuel anointed him. Jonathan already told him. He said, David, you're going to be the king. You're going to succeed my father. Everybody, listen to me. His wife, Abigail, even said, David, God is going to spare you. Everybody reminded him that God had put all of his stock into David and David was going to be king, but in the middle, the middle of his desperation, the middle of his discouragement, he forgot all that. You know what I've learned about people that want to stay discouraged today? They forget all the other good stuff. They forget all the other good stuff that God's done. They forget the promises of God's Word. They forget what God's already done. Like, oh, He can't do it anymore. No, He can and He will. He, he just simply ignored the fact his discouragement had helped him to forget that it was the oil that ran down his head. It was he that Samuel anointed. It was he that God said, you are the one that I've chosen. Hmm. Who else told him? Jonathan told him he was going to be king. Abigail, here's another one. Samuel even told him that he was going to be king. But you know what discouragement does? And let me just say this. Even God himself told David he was going to be king and he was going to be spared. But you know what? David forgot it all. And that's what discouragement does. When you're left to your own thoughts and when you start thinking in your heart and you leave God out of it, yes, it's a pretty bleak situation. Number two. Can I just say before I start with number two, you see how dangerous it is to forget everything that God's promised you? By the way, we have a book of promises too, and every one of them is still true. Listen to me, I'm not trying to be unkind to you. I don't care where you find yourself today, God's promises are still true. Number two, another one that he just simply just absolutely passed by, that God had already protected him and already provided for him as he's been running. God has proven to be faithful and true to David. It wasn't for a lack of evidence of God's favor on him. I mean, you're, if you're discouraged, don't blame God. What do I mean by that? Well, that's our perspective. Well, I'll tell you what, if God didn't love me, well, God had just spared David's life every time. God got him through it. And by the way, he'll get you through it. You might say, well, it ain't getting it through like I want to. Well, there's the problem. You're not God, neither am I. God has a better way. We might not understand it. God has a better way. He's already proven himself to David. And by the way, I want to stand here at the age of 49. I might get discouraged. I might have a broken heart. But I want you to know something here this morning. God has proved himself to me. And he will continue to prove himself to me. He will. And I cannot neglect the fact that he's still been good to me. I'm not in the best places of my life right now. But I want you to know something. Ain't God good to give us so many blessings undeserving. That's what we are. We ought to love him. Love and praise him a little bit more today. And a whole lot more tomorrow. God's still good. Why? He's proved himself. I want y'all to know something. He saved me. I, I want you to know I'll never lose my salvation. He's been good to me. He showed me mercy. He showed me grace. 
My goodness, David had two close encounters with Saul, which God spared his life both times. God had proved himself to him. By the way, God's proved himself to you. That really speaks for itself. So when we're discouraged, it's not that God has changed. Listen to me. Here's the point of the message. God had not changed. We have. We have. Our thoughts have changed. God didn't change. David changed. He sat around. I'll tell you right now. I'm going to get to thinking here. I'm going to think. Here's what it is. This ain't fair. This ain't right. I'm going to think within myself. And I said in my heart, best thing for me to do is just to get on up out of here because Saul's going to kill me. Well, that's fine and dandy, David. The only problem with that, you left God out of it. See, that's what discouragement does. We become our own God. See, David chose to focus on what he already might happen. Y'all, all y'all ladies listening to me, he was focusing on what might happen. Y'all know a lot, I've seen a lot of people get awful discouraged because of what might happen. And they don't know for sure what might happen. So instead of sitting there worrying about what might happen, how about you trust the promise of God that will happen? He chose to focus on what might happen instead of what God has been doing. That's what discouragement does, see? He he paints a bleak picture in his mind and scares himself into believing it. And that's what we like to do. He said, oh, I'll tell you right now, he he will come and get me, and I don't think I got to do this. I got to get up out of here. And so, man, he painted this big old dark, nasty picture, and here's what happened. He started believing it. Charles Spurgeon shared that once he was very discouraged, and a friend came by and talked to him. And by the way, Charles Spurgeon dealt with depression and discouragement all the time. He called it the darkness. We refer to him as the Prince of Preachers. He said, I remember on one occasion to my shame being sad and doubtful of heart and a kind friend took out a paper and read to me a short extract from a discourse upon faith. He said, I very soon detected the author of that extract of that sermon. He said, my friend was reading to me from one of mine own. Without saying a word, he just left it to my own conscience for he had convicted me of committing the very fault against which I had so earnestly declaimed. Discouragement will distort our perspective. Number two, quickly, discouragement leads us to great depths of sin. We make mistakes when we're discouraged, living the self-life. David sought help from the king of Gath. He, he sought help from Achish. We, he started making decisions that are mind-blowing, to be quite honest with you. Uh, what David, David, this is David. What he started to do, he started to go live with the enemy. But then, it wasn't the first time that they met. They had met, remember, back a few other chapters back when he was discouraged. He said, there's nothing else I can do but go. And so he already had met the king of Gath and he had already lived with the enemy one other time. And it was so bad he had to act like a crazy man. Y'all remember that? When he started acting like he was crazy and he had to... So they kicked him out. Now he's back. He's back. And Achish accepted him this time and probably because they shared the same enemy, Saul. I don't know why Achish had him, but here, here's, what, here's what's crazy. Uh, David now has a group of fighting men with him. So maybe Achish says, man, if I can turn these boys, these are some of the greatest fighters in the world. I can use them to my advantage. I don't know why Achish accepted him, but he did. But now David chose to do it. That's what's mind-blowing to me. He chose to do it. He's not alone, but now he's with 600 men and, and their families. So now everything he's doing is affecting all these hundreds of people. So David took raiding parties out to the surrounding Philistine towns for flocks and clothes. And by the way, he wasn't doing that for self-defense. Are y'all ready? He did it to murder people. He wasn't defending his own. He wasn't doing self-defense. He went raiding to kill and to gain loot from the people that he killed. But when King Achish asked him, where did you go raiding today, David? David lied to him and said, oh, I've been down killing Israelites. I've been stealing stuff from the Israelites. But he lied to him. He hadn't went nowhere near the Israelites. He was killing people that was uh, 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 people of Gath. 
They were of the Philistines. David was killing God's own people, yet lying to the king and saying, oh no, I'm killing people in Israel. And by the way, here's what he did to make sure that stood. He killed everybody so nobody could talk. You might say, oh, the Lord just put that in there and said he killed every man, woman, and beast. He didn't allow anything. We know the reason being is because David said why. He said, we can't let any of these people go back and tell them that David, that his men's come and killed. Listen to me. Wicked. That is wicked. That is wicked. And that's David. Are y'all with me? Are y'all as shocked as I am? David. You know what that tells me? I don't know if there's anybody here after a man after God's own heart, but I'm telling you right now, if David can do this, God help every one of us. That's where we better get to real quick. Because when we stand around and say, oh, I'll tell you right, I'm holier than thou, and I won't make that mistake. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think God said about you and me what he said about David. Pretty powerful. The Bible does say he resisteth the proud, Right? He's got to kill everybody in these towns. Because he can't have anybody going back and saying, hey, David's coming over here living with you. You've done giving him a town. Now he's coming over here and killing our people, king. So he kills everybody. Remember what started all this? Discouragement. David said in his heart, do you see why discouragement is staying there and living there and wallowing in it? Y'all see why it's dangerous? Y'all see why it's dangerous? I won't keep saying it until I get some witnesses. Y'all see why it's dangerous? And some people live there. That's a choice you choose to live there. I'm going to tell you, it is not sinful for you to get discouraged. Let me hear, let me, y'all hear me well. It's sinful for you to stay in it. So here's what the king says to David. All right, I'm going to make you my bodyguard. <laughs> Now, here's what's amazing to me. Now they're getting ready to war up. They're getting ready to get all the armies together. They're going to go fight Israel now. And the king says, come on, David, bring your mighty men. We're going to go fight and kill your people. Now, these are the people that David has a heart for. These are the people that he just defended from Goliath. These are the people that he's going to be the precious king over. He's going to go kill them. Where did all this start? Verse 1. And David said in his heart. That's how low David had sunk. He was spiritually at the bottom. He was prepared to fight his own people. You know why? The only reason he didn't do it is because God providentially stopped him. God's grace had to come in. God had to step in and wake his servant up, which he did in chapter 30. And we'll talk about that more. Because by the way, when you get that discouragement, all roads lead to Ziklag. That's going to be another message. Ziklag wasn't certainly a great place to be. David had a culmination of what he started in chapter 27. We're going to find out what happens in chapter 30 at Ziklag. See, this episode here reveals to us the frailty of even the best of men. We have nothing to boast. We are all weak and we all stand in needs, all of stand in God's grace. We need his grace. Can I get a witness? We are all vulnerable at times, especially when we're discouraged. Guard your thoughts. Can I talk to you as your pastor? Can I talk to you as your friend? Guard your thoughts. Guard your thoughts. Guard your thoughts. You hear me? Guard your thoughts and guard your heart. They're both frail, they're both precious, but they're both very they're both very vulnerable. Guard them with your life. I've been asked on a few occasions in my life if I've ever regretted my decision to serve the Lord in the ministry, look at me. No. I've never regretted it. I've never regretted surrendering my life to do what God wanted me to do in this life. 
I've never regretted it. I look back over my life and I think some of the greatest blessings in my life has been tied to me just saying yes to the Lord and giving Him my life. There's been times, yes, that I've gotten discouraged. Yes, there's been times that people get on my nerves. Yes, there's been times that I've been taken advantage of. Yes, there's been times that I've wanted to quit. But I want you to know something. I've never regretted the fact that I've surrendered my life to the Lord. I've never regretted it. But oh dear God, there's been so many other things I regret. There's many moments of discouragement, countless decisions that I regret. Guard against discouragement. Remember the grace and goodness of God in your life. Voice out whatever you are thinking when you're discouraged. Voice it out. Say it out loud. Don't just sit there and make it and you be the judge and the jury and the gavel. You say it out loud. And you let God hear what you say. And you let you know what you're saying out loud. That God is hearing it. And you start voicing it. And whatever you are thinking, put God in it. Put a promise there. Go back to some other time that God has certainly been so very real. Listen to me. Remember the grace and the goodness of God in your life. Whatever you're thinking, whatever you're discouraged about, go to God. By the way, let me just say this. Go to somebody else. And by the way, go to somebody that's going to love you enough to tell you what you need to hear. Don't go to somebody that's going to jump on that train with you. That's the last thing you need is someone to jump on a train with you and tell you how bad you have it. And I know that's why a lot of people don't come to me. Somebody say amen. You already know what you're going to get before you walk in my office. And by the way, that's just part of it. But I want you to know something. Somebody say, well, Pastor, you're a little harsh. Well, okay. Well, let me just sit there and tell you, oh, it's okay for you to feel like that. Go ahead and just feel like it's unfair. Just go ahead and destroy your life. How about better than this? But instead of that, if you don't have any hope, why don't we just all go on to heaven? No. God's given us a life. He's given us opportunity. We have tools. And sometimes we just need somebody with the right perspective to tell us whether we want to hear it or not. Don't dwell in discouragement. Let it distort your view. Don't distort. Don't let it distort your view of what God's done in your life. God did not wrong us. Remember that. God has not wronged us. Always remember that. God has not wronged us. You know what we ought to let discouragement do? I'm going to tell you what we ought to let it do. It ought to drive us to our knees. It ought to drive us to our knees. It ought to drive us to the ground. I'm going to tell you what. It ought to drive us to this altar. Quit whining about it and come to somebody that can do something about it. He can help us. He's got a promise for you today. By the way, I'm claiming about three of them today. Just to get through. He's faithful and he's true. His promises and his plan for you is as good as it was. He's not changed. See that. See that clearly. I don't know what you're looking at. I don't know what you're dealing with. But he still, he has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. I'm thankful David's going to come back. He comes back like he always does. does. He's going to come back by God's grace. And we're going to look at that a little bit later. And by the way, I want to tell you something. You'll come back too. If you'll start looking to the Lord and you'll start trusting his grace. I don't know how down you are. You'll come back too. Today, if you're not saved, please understand this. God's for you. He loves you. He died for you. He paid for your sin dead on the cross. He raised from the dead that you might be free from your sin. He experienced hell so we don't have to. And I want to say to you this morning, do not let your feelings or your fear or some type of shame, or some type of pride, keep you from doing what God wants you to do. Listen to me. There's nothing like the salvation of the Lord. 
discouragement plagues not just the world. Do you know what discouragement? Discouragement is plaguing Christians' lives. We're wallowing in it. We're wallowing in it. And and here's what we're doing. We're giving reasons why we can. Well, I've got a thousand more that says you don't have to. Y'all know where they are? They're right here. They're right here. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Psalm 32. Psalm 62, 1. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me. Where, do I, where can I go, Mark? Where, what are you going to do? Your heart's overwhelmed. Sure it is. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to have to do the same that you're going to do if you're going to get victory. i got to get up on that rock that's higher than all this. i got to get to the rock. i got to get up to that rock, and He's my rock. When my heart's overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. gets me above all this. And i got to rest right there. Because you know what? It don't feel like resting right now. Not everything's lined up like I want it to. So what do I do? I can't lay here. I said, Lord, i got to get up. My heart's overwhelmed. I'm about to die. I'm discouraged. What do I do? And oh, thank God. He gives me an answer. Psalm 61 too. Lord, come. He says, Mark, come on up here, son. I'll help you. I'll be your refuge. I know not everything else makes sense, but I do. See? And someone said, well, Pastor, how do you do it? That's how I do it. That's how I do it. You say, oh, you're different than me. No, I'm not. I'm really not. No preacher's different than you. The only difference is, is we got to run to Him. And I'm not ashamed to tell you that this morning. I don't have all the answers. I got Him. And the same Him that helps me will help you. And when everything's dark and nothing seems right, He helps me. So I know He'll help you too. And guess what, parents? Y'all ready? He'll help your children too. You say, Pastor, how do you stay on top? I claim His promises. You feel like claiming them? No. But I do it anyway. Why? Because they work. And it's better than sitting around and telling y'all how bad I got it because that don't do no good either. Right? How many of y'all are hurting and struggling with something today? Raise your arm. Everybody. Everybody's got problems. Everybody's got heartache. Everybody's got trouble. David let discouragement distort his views. Is he a bad person? No. He did some horrible things. Trust him. Claim a promise. Where are you at today? Claim a promise. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Though he may fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. That's a good one. There's a bunch I'm claiming to right now. I know a little bit later, I'm going to just tell you, a little bit later I'm going to get quiet and I might go in my office and I might sit down. I might even go home, sit on my bed, and I'm going to sit there. And you know what? My feelings are going to be just like everybody else's. I'm going to look through my life and I'm going to see things that I'm not satisfied with right now. And if I'm not careful, I'll make some awful bad decisions because I'm discouraged. But instead of doing that, you know what I want to do? I'm just going to trust him even when I don't feel like it. You know why? Because he's proved himself to me before. He'll do it again. And he's always right. Let's stand to our feet. I don't know how to be other than just me. I'm going to tell you what has helped me going through the life of David, man. He was human. (laughs) He was human, man. So if we have this idea that God only uses superstars, no, (laughs) 
He uses broken vessels. He uses crooked sticks. We got to guard our hearts and our thoughts and our minds and our flesh. With their head bowed and eyes closed this morning, can I ask you a question this morning? Would you be honest? Say, Pastor, I'm here this morning and I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven, but I'm concerned about it. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that this morning? You say, that's me, Pastor. I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. Can I ask this question? How many of you feel like God had this message for you today? Would you be honest, slip your hand up? What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? God help us, amen? There's an old-fashioned altar up here. Maybe you'd like to kneel down at your altar, at your pew, whatever. Maybe you just want to stand and pray, but I want you to say, if God spoke to your heart about something, it's because he loves you. Let's let God help us, amen? They're going to play something on the piano and on the organ and... You do business with the Lord. You might want to come up here. You might want to stay in your pew, whatever. You know, when I was a young preacher, I thought, man, if the altars aren't full of people, God's not speaking. That's not necessarily true. Some things are so painful. Some things are so real. You can't even get up out of your seat. (laughs) But I think the most important thing here is if God spoke to your heart about it, I think I'd be doing business with him. Amen. Tonight we're going to look at the life of Saul. He's getting ready to die. Here's what I want to preach on. It sure was a good start, but it was certainly a sad ending. You say, Pastor, I'm doing well. I started out well. Well, it's more important than how you finish. life of Saul tonight, I would encourage you to be here. Do your best to have your heart ready to hear and to heed and to learn and to grow from God's word. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness. We thank you for your word. Lord, I do. As I read that passage of Scripture, I'm shocked. There's a part of me, I can't believe that that's David doing all of those horrible things. I mean, these were not just little things. These were horrible things that affected so many people's lives. But yet, God, you still used him. He comes back. He, He does it right again. How loving, how patient you are. God, I do pray you'll help us to guard our minds, help us to guard our thoughts, help us to guard our hearts. Help us to consider you. Help us, please. We ask it in Jesus' precious name and all God's people say it. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon. And we will see you back here tonight.